Well, good morning, church body. How are we doing this morning? I feel a bit of an anticipation in the air today for what God wants to do in the house. Let's stand to our feet this morning. What an honor and a privilege we have to come into the house of the Lord today. To give Him all of our stuff, to give Him all of our love, to give Him every single thing. Today is a day where we get to come in here and we get to honor Him because He is faithful, He is good, He is amazing, and we can go on and on for hours of all the good things about our God. So Father, as we come into the house of God today, we choose to lay aside all those things that would get in the way. We choose to say that You are good. We choose to say that You are worthy of our praise. Father, we say we love You. We love You. We delight in You. So this morning as we come into the house, we choose to live our worship up to the Almighty God in Jesus' name. Let's do that this morning as we worship. Let's give Him all of our praise today. Amen. Okay, so here's a testimony with rubber meets the road. Money. The commercial construction industry is set up so that when you do work, you've got to front load all the costs for like three months before you'll see the first check. So you've got to, you've got to pay your guys and buy your material for January and February and March. And sometime in March, you'll get January's money. That's the way the system works. The Lord has set up for my company that I invoice and get paid within a week. It's entirely unusual, entirely bizarre, but that's what favor does is it puts you in a place where the rules don't apply. It's like diplomatic immunity. The rest of the world has to function with those rules, but when favor is on you, it's, 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 it's insane home field advantage. So this is what God's done. And so in the space of a few months, six figures worth of a contract is going to be paid out to me. Thank you, Lord. So don't be shy. If you have a testimony, come on up. We want to hear the testimonies of what God is doing right now. There we go. As many of you know, my husband and I just moved here in July. And we've been struggling for finding a place to land and we've landed here and we belong but I feel like there was something missing and it was our home we bought a place and didn't know it didn't feel right and it was too much money (laughs) so come July our mortgage is going to be double and it's like we can't afford that anymore and we've been searching ask Ben we've been searching for a home and God gave me a dream when we went and looked at that property Ben that had that modular on it He gave me a dream that morning. He gave me a dream, and the dream was I was laying in the bed of the master bedroom, and it was home. I knew it was home. But then the next part of the dream, I was standing outside on a deck of the house, and it was an old fire station. And I was like, what? This is crazy. So just this week, we went and saw that home. It used to be a fire station, and we got an accepted offer last night for six and a half acres. It was amazing. It's everything we've wanted. Yeah. Yeah. 
when we were uh, singing the song, I uh, flashed back to when I was a young man and was underground and uh, was documenting. So I was writing, I was standing straight up and down and, and uh, everything caved in on the whole, the whole back. It's the ceiling, we call it the back. It all caved in. Uh, about three feet of rock came in all around me, right up to here, and I couldn't see or anything. And I waited till the dust cleared, about 10 minutes, just stood straight up. And then I climbed out, and I realized that everything caved in except all around me. And I just think about the goodness of God that why he would preserve a sinner like me. So, um, I'll share a testimony of something that happened to us in the spring. So, uh, I'm a real estate agent, so my first year in real estate, uh, I sold 20 houses, which was like really, really good. And so I, I started putting my faith in myself, thinking that I was doing all this myself. And then I got these systems in place, and it was just going to go so good. I ended up doing like 80 showings over the winter, and I got nothing. Like nothing came in. And then there was this big sale that was going ha- to come through in June, so it was going to be you know, a good amount of money coming in. But until then, we had like, we didn't know how we were going to get by. Like we were at the point where it was just, we didn't know. And, and I actually just got to the point where I broke down and cried before God because I was like, God, what is going on? And he's like, your faith, it, it went from me to yourself. Because I always just thought that I can, I, I, I'm a hard worker, I, I can get through things. But when things were good, I started just looking at myself and, okay, things are so good, so good. And he actually brought us to a place where I had no other choice but to come to him. And then since then, I just, I, I've just been listening to his voice rather than putting my, my faith in the way that most realtors do things. And we've had the most amazing year we've ever had since that point. So we started the first six months was the worst. And then we put our faith in God. And now this has been the best six months we've ever had in our lives. So I just, wherever you're at, just trust God. Because when you put your faith in yourself, he's going to break you down until the point where you can trust him. So just trust God. So thank you, Father, for your goodness that you want us to trust you. And you bring us to a point where we have to trust you so we can put our faith back in you so we can grow. Amen. Amen. So, about 10 years ago, I, uh, I met a fella, and uh, man, I, I, he actually got, I had to meet him at a, at a detox center. I don't want to say his name, but uh, when I met him, his teeth, he had no teeth. Man, he was just a wreck. He'd been on the streets, he'd been beat up, he'd been taken down, and uh, journeyed with him for a long time. And so this week, uh, last week, he, you know, and uh, we coming through the word. And, and at the beginning, it was just about him being sober. That's, that, that was the mark. That was the, the, the level that we were attaining. 
And so last week he says, he phones me up and he goes, Gavin, how about we, we study the book of Job? And I said, yeah, okay, let's do it, let's do it. I went to his house, uh, I went to his apartment, he lives in an apartment now, and, and it was five hours, and I was the student. <laughs> I was the student, and I just want to witness to the fact that he began with just sobriety, and he's come to such a level that, and his church is AA meetings. And it, like he doesn't, he doesn't participate so much in this realm, but he's just, he's almost like a pastor at large. That's what I call him. And he just gets to go to the nooks and the crannies of all these places. And he lives on 97th Street. And I just say, hallelujah, Father, that you take us from where we think this is success and you go it's so rigged in our favor and that we we stand with hope we're actually hope dealers that we just hand out hand out hope hand out hope and so lord i just thank you for that one witness for the one lord who has said yes and amen to you lord jesus and to so many more so many more so many more coming in jesus name In uh, June of 2021, I was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer, and uh, it was during a a period when there was uh, lots of COVID. It was difficult to get into hospitals, but I met a surgeon, and within, uh, I think it was two weeks after I met with him, I had surgery, uh, everything went well, and... uh, this year, last year in November, I had a follow-up CT and a, another colonoscopy, and uh, the surgeon was talking to me while he was doing the colonoscopy. He said, do I need to see you anymore? I said, no, I don't. Do you? No, I don't need to see you anymore. So, uh, all good, and uh, I declare a cancer-free body in Jesus' name. Hi. I know that some of you are saying, how come these things aren't happening for me? And I know that God taught the Israelites that when things are going really bad, you look back and see what God has done. And today I stand here because prayers aren't being answered for me. And my husband's got all kinds of health issues and our finances are no good. But I tell you this, that once we lived in a village and it was a Métis village and we got a phone call that about a nine-year-old had hung himself in a closet. And they asked my husband if he would come. And so we started fasting and praying and Derek went and he prayed and he said it was as if this child, if you've ever seen a dying animal, you find out that they just kick their legs just at the last. And he was kicking his legs like it was the last, but my husband prayed and the child lived. And we had friends in McMurray and they had a... You know, they, they sent airplanes into these little villages, and the pilot said when he got to uh, Conklin, it was very foggy. 
and he thought he wouldn't be able to land. And he said it was as though God had cut out a rectangle right over the airport. And so in the light of my circumstances right now, we say that God is a God of miracles. And he hasn't forgotten, and he will answer. So I could stand here, and I could stand here till next week and tell you all of the wonderful things that God has done for me, all of the people that I have seen healed, and I've seen people raised from the dead, just recently in Scotland, actually, and... I could tell you story after story after story, and I could testify, but I want to tell you here this morning that you are a testimony. You are a miracle sent from God. Every breath that you take, every day that you live, you are a miracle. And sometimes we think that hope is this thing that has butterfly wings and is so fragile, but it's not. Hope Hope is the boxer who's sitting on the floor and you don't know if they're going to get up again. They're the one that's bloodied. Their knuckles are broken open. Their face has bruises all over it. And she's standing back up. That's what hope is. And so when you feel, you might even feel it right now, but if you feel it tomorrow even, or next week, or next year, if you feel like hope is gone. Just remember, she's getting ready to get back up. Your hope is getting ready to get back up. You have a testimony. You are the testimony. You are a miracle sent from God. And I just declare that over you today. If you feel hopeless, hope is getting ready to stand back up in your life. It is not too late. God has a work for you to do right up until your very last breath. Do not give up. He has a blessing and a miracle for you in your life today. Well, we're on kind of a different place than some of these testimonies. We're currently in the valley. But God has been so good to us. He's, he's restored things in our marriage over the years. And he's seen us through every single valley that we've been a part of. So we know that he's good. We know that he's got us. So the other business that Cam's a part of. I've, I've made some mistakes. We had a, a big customer go out of business and owe us a pile of money. And so we're, we're currently in that valley. But we're united and we know that God has us. We know that better days are coming, that lessons had to be learned, that, that that growth, exactly what Tyson was talking about, I started to rely on myself and my own sense of knowledge and wisdom and God is like, the little teensy bit you have, I gave it to you. <laughs> so why don't you rely on my stores, the storehouses of heaven and not on yourselves? So if you guys would just believe with us, we just want to call out to God and say that you are the God of faith. You are the one of storehouses of heaven. We have nothing in and of ourselves, Lord. We rely on you for everything. So in our moment of need, we cry out to Yeshua as the lost sheep. 
But for some reason, these sheep have such conviction and faith that you're coming to find us. And we, we find that courage and that rest and that peace in our hearts. Blessed be your name. Wow. Well, I got a testimony too. This church has been so faithful to pray for my father and I, who many of you know were not in relationship for about 15 years. And the last two years we've been back in relationship. And this Christmas Eve service here at Spruce Grove Community Church, I got to stand here and watch my dad sing Silent Light, Silent Night in our church. So, Dad, if you're watching, it was an honor and it was a privilege because God has restored us, which is beautiful. And let me say, that was 15 years. So I know some people are saying there's some stuff that hasn't been restored. Well, he's running after those situations right now. He's running after our community right now. He's running after Mexico right now. He's running after Mazatlan right now and the cartel right now. He's running after all these situations. And so as we go back into this, begin to declare it over your journey. Begin to declare it over the things that God places on your heart. Like the prodigals, like this city, whatever it is, our schools, the goodness of God will not fail. It's running after all these things right now in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? So let's rise to our feet. Let's sing with faith. Let's declare this as truth. Amen. Casey's going to declare Psalms 23 over this body, then speak into it. Let's, as we listen to this, let's just get our hearts in a place where we can declare this as truth. Because this is being spoken over each of us today, but not just us, over everybody, right? So let's just really hear this. Perhaps the most well-known psalm is Psalm 23. It's been on more placards and on more walls. But the prophets have spoken across the globe that 2023 is about Psalm 23. So we're going to declare this. All these testimonies this morning were testimonies of overcoming. And so this, this psalm is a psalm of the proximity of God in times of trouble. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. He lets... He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul, and he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. You are my rod, and you are my comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life, and my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. So, Father, we just say we align with the words that have been on the walls of houses for the generations, God. We say and we take you at face value for your word, and we declare that there is oil, and we're going to live in the over flow and the abundance of your promise and that you will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. 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 Amen
Well, body, can we say amen? amen? Thank you, Lord, for your testimonies. May it build the faith of this body in Jesus' name. How are you guys? It's so good to be here with you. I have been on, I took two weeks off. And I am like a new person. Ask Chris, I'm so much nicer than I was two weeks ago. But I ate a lot of cheese. A few of my friends and I were talking about this. I don't know what happens over Christmas. It's the charcuterie boards. Those charcuterie boards will get you. Because they're like little pieces of cheese, and it's on the pretty board, and like you have a little cracker, and then you eat a cheese, and the next thing you know, you've eaten 45 pounds of cheese. And I did that for like 25 days straight. So here's me full of cheese in front of you. Um, Maybe what I'll do is I just want to quickly introduce myself because sometimes I notice what we do is we get into this habit of like speakers come up and we kind of assume that everybody in the room knows us and we have like these inside jokes and and then there are these visitors that are like I have no idea who you are I have I don't get your jokes not connecting and so maybe I'll just introduce myself for those of you that don't know who I am or who are new here or visiting um Chris and I are the lead pastors here at the church, and I'm actually a a clinical counselor. That's what I do for a living, and I specialize in trauma. We have two kids. Kaylin is our (laughs) 22-year-old. My children are so old. How do they get so old? I mean, I was 13 when I had them, so it makes sense that I look this young. But um, So Kaylin, our boy, is 22, and then Mally's 19, And we got to spend so much time with him over Christmas. It was so awesome. Oh, I love my cats. Um, And I have two cats. I mean, let's just talk about it. Let's just get it out there. Uh, Fat Henry is my one cat. And Hurricane Luna is my other. And I really do actually love cats almost as much as I love chips. So there's a little bit about me. Um, You know, I'm a complex, quirky individual. And Jesus loves it all. Cheese and all. Cheese and all. Cheese and all. That's right. Snacks. We love snacks. So, um, this sermon that I'm about to preach, if that's what we want to call what's going to happen, has taken a year to write. And the reason why is because a year ago around this time, I asked the Lord to give me a word for the year. Um, And I do that every year. And he gave me the most interesting word. He gave me the word reward. And then that evolved into Jesus as my reward. And it became the most immersive, experiential word that I've ever had in all the years that I had asked the Lord to give me a word for the year. And it completely transformed me. Um, If you thought I was awesome A year ago, check, check me out now, now. Um, Because this was incredible. Um, And and I want to start first off by giving you sort of the scriptural basis that landed in my spirit around this word. And I'm actually going to ask our team up at the board there to also put up the prayer that landed in my spirit. So first I'm going to start off with the scriptures. How many of you actually brought a physical Bible today, as in like uh, with like the paper in it? 
Oh, we have one winner, two winners, three, four, five. Wow, we still have a lot of... No, the phone does not count. There's a lot of Bibles here. That's so interesting to me. I love bringing a Bible. I didn't today. I printed all the scripture off. But I'd like you actually to turn to your Bibles because I think it's important that as we read the word, you're either looking at the screen or you're looking at your phone, which I hope is not stats, which sometimes Chris does. Just kidding. I'm just joking. Um, Or your Bible, okay? So your paper Bible. So I want you to turn first to Genesis 15.1. Okay, this is New King James Version, which I know is Pastor Mark's favorite. In a minute, I'm going to tell you what my favorite version is. Okay, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is so interesting to me. I won't get ahead of myself. Came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So for those of us who know who I'm talking about, we're talking about Abraham, the father of nations. But for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Abram uh, had his name changed by God and became the father of the Israelites. And man, he was blessed because of his faith in God. And this was one of the promises that God gave to him was that God was going to be his shield and his exceedingly great reward. But what's interesting about Abraham, or Abram in this case, is that he also was blessed with many, many good things. Land and livestock and honor and favor. But I love that God's, one of God's first blessings to Abram was that he was going to be his reward over everything else. His exceedingly great reward was God himself. And this is the word that I would love to land in your spirits today as you start out this year. No matter what is given unto you, no matter what is taken from you, no matter what condition you're in, God is your exceedingly great reward, and nothing can take that away. Okay, so I want us to just look at this beautiful prayer, Julian of Norwich. Now, I'm going to confess something. Um, For the longest time, I thought that Julian of Norwich was a dude, and then I started researching the dude and found out it was actually a woman. So there you go. You learn something new. And Julian of Norwich loved the Lord and pursued the Lord intensely and um, came to the point of actually being near death. And I, th- I can't remember if she actually died or not and was resurrected, but she um, had a profound revelation of the goodness of God, even in her own death. She saw God as her reward. And, and this is the prayer that we're going to focus on today. This is going to be our prayer as a church today as we go into the new year. And, and this is what she wrote. Is it up there? Here, I'll read it from there. Oh, God, of your goodness, give me yourself. You are sufficient for me. 
I cannot properly ask anything less to be worthy of you. If I were to ask less, I should always be in want. And you alone do I have all. So beautiful. That's been my prayer for the whole year. And you know what's interesting about this experience of me going after this word of Jesus as my reward is that to be honest with you, it looked more like Jesus as my reward as he has taken away from me. It's been a year of being taken away from. And I'm going to share kind of a timeline of what my year has sort of been like and how this word began to grow in me and manifest in its fruitfulness in me and how my idea of Jesus as my reward has been transformed. But, you know, the very first thing that God needed to do with my heart was to deal with this idea um, that uh, Jesus as my reward meant I choose Jesus and then I get good things because of it. And, you know, that seems like such an immature thing to say, doesn't it? It's like, well, I pick you, Jesus, because, man, all you got some goods, and I'm going to score, you know? But, like, it was actually exposed over the year that this has been a belief that I've had that my expectation is if I say yes to Jesus, I get the good things. I get the rewards. And the analogy that sort of came to me is the Lord dealt with this idea, this sort of um, unhealthy way of thinking, was the idea of being pursued by the, the one that you love. And so I think about if Chris were to come up here and, and share about me and say, oh, I just, I love Jen. She does an incredible job. Like, she makes amazing meals. I'm never hungry. And um, she does an incredible job at keeping the house clean. And uh, she's just so good at making sure the beds are made. And actually, one of the things that I've really benefited from being in a relationship with Jen is that um, she brings in a second income and et cetera, et cetera. And although I appreciate being appreciated that way, I start to feel like I want to be loved for me. I want to be wanted for me. I want him to pursue me because he wants to be with me. Not for all that he benefits from me, not from what he gets from me. I don't want to feel like if I don't do those things, I'm not valuable to him anymore. I want to be valued because I am inherently valuable and worthy of love, and he sees that, and he longs for me. And that revelation for me was the very first thing that God began to drop in my spirit about Jesus as my reward. And for a moment, I just wonder if we could just search our own hearts or let the Lord search our own hearts and notice where maybe we've done that. Maybe we've sought Jesus for what he could give us. Maybe we've sought um, his hand for the hope that we would benefit from it. But instead, could we turn our hearts in a way that would say, 
I just want you. That's all I want. I just want you. You know, imagine if Chris were to sing that to me. Mm, baby. <laughs> um, sure, I mean, are you offering? Cool, cool, come on up. Um, you know, he, he does that at home, don't worry. He sings to me all the time. Um, but, you know, just what it, would it be like? Like, just imagine for a moment, what would it be like if you were to posture your, start, your heart in a way that, that you were saying, I just want you, Jesus. I just want you, the Messiah. I just want you, Jesus, the Nazarene. I just want you, Son of God. I just want you. I wonder what would happen in your heart. I wonder what would happen in terms of how you would view your circumstances. I wonder what would happen how you'd view others. You know, one of the things about God addressing this aspect of my heart where it's like I seek Jesus for his rewards instead of I seek Jesus the reward is that I started to notice that not only did my heart change towards him but towards people. I didn't need them the same way, if that makes sense. They didn't need to fulfill anything for me because Jesus was doing that for me. I could just love them. My expectations changed. So imagine if we could posture our hearts this way. What could happen? So that was the very first thing that had to happen for me. And it was like, bing, bang, boom, right off the bat. Week one, I was like, yeah, Jesus is my reward. And then God was like, actually, here's what it actually means. And I was like, oh, right, okay. So he began to change my heart. And, and so moving forward in the timeline, uh, around January, February, our team, so uh, we have a holistic mental health care center, center, center on the second floor here. And I'm the director of it, and I've got this awesome team of people, practitioners that care for the mental health of the community. Um, and we decided, remember, this was still COVID, right? Last January, still COVID. Remember that? That was so much fun, remember? Um, and so we decided in faith that the restrictions were going to come down and as soon as they did, we were going to hold a summit to help people recover from COVID, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. And as soon as we made that decision, the warfare that I came under was so profound. It was so uncomfortable. I was getting hit so hard, and it just did not stop until the day the summit was done, which was June I think 11th, so from January to June. It was not a good time. And, and one of the things that started happening for me was um, I've shared before with you about how uh, part of what I learned to do as a child and, and as a teenager was to perform well in my life, to earn favor, to earn the reward of the pleasure of people in me. And 
um, there's a certain kind of energy that's required to do that. You have to pull on your own strength, on your own skills, on your own competencies, on your own wisdom, and you sort of have to be jacked up on adrenaline to do that. Because part of what happens is that you have to radar where people aren't pleased with you and very quickly figure out how to please them. And so I noticed that for some reason, that part of me was being rattled as we prepared for this summit. And I spent, essentially, from January to June, adrenalized. And like I say, that warfare of the enemy was rattling me. And what I found was that preparing for this summit and the uh, unconscious anticipation of the reward of that, my own reward of that, became less and less satisfying. And it was like, oh, this is going to be jacked up, and people are going to come, and they're going to be healed, and it's going to be so awesome. And to be honest, perhaps there was a part of me that was hoping that there'd be some accolade there. Um, and, and that became less and less desirable. It was like, I just think I need to survive this thing at this point in time. you know. But God was shaking something up in me again. And it was this idea of... Um, in the striving, in the name of Christ, I am expecting Jesus to reward me. Which is actually kind of a funny thing when you think about it. That we would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, check out what your girl here is doing. Pay up. And he's like, actually, kind of already did that when I died on the cross. So if you want to just chill on out. So what started happening was that God started showing me what it meant to let go of accolade. Let go of the rewards that come from pleasing man. Let go of the satisfaction of being liked, loved, adored, recognized. And I want to read you this scripture verse. It's from the message, John 12, 24 through 25. Listen carefully. I like how he said that. Don't just listen. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead, to the world. It is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it's buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. Whew, that is scary. Can I read that again? In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. Huzzah. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. I can look back at that season and recognize that's what was happening. 
Jesus was burying me in the ground. Jesus was humbling me. He was putting me down unto the earth. And he was showing me that I didn't have enough adrenaline in me. I didn't have enough competency in me. I didn't have enough skills in me to carry my own glory. And that I needed to die unto the life that I had. So that a life in Christ could be resurrected. One that isn't adrenalized. One that isn't rewarded by the pleasure of man. Man's pleasure of me. One that isn't rewarded by um, accolade and human reward. And so this little grain of wheat had to die. And by the end of that, um, that summit, I was totally exhausted, totally burnt out. And I remember walking out of that summit, and this isn't true, but this is how I felt. I remember saying, that was not worth it. <laughs> that was not worth it. What the, the physical energy that I put into that was not worth it. And it was like Jesus was like, yeah, yeah, that's where I want you. I want you to be able to say, this, none of this is worth it. None of this is, you know how um, our beautiful, I think it was Solomon that said, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And he was like the most wise man on the earth and he was rich and he had like 100,000 wives and, and he's going, none of it is awesome. I mean, you should have known better. But, this little grain of wheat just like I got buried into the ground. I got face down into the ground and I got humbled. And when I came up out of the ground, he was still there waiting. And he was, was pleased with what he had created. Even though I had done a really sucky job of being a daughter. And he loved me, and he accepted me. And, and you know, he said to me, I am your reward. So, moving forward, um, again, like I say, I didn't expect that learning about Jesus as my reward would mean that so much would be taken away from me. And so... Um, in June, was it June, Chris? Yeah, it was, wow. So I got burnt out, and then Chris decided to end up in the hospital being paddled back to life. That was fun. Um, so Chris ends up in hospital. That, uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris was the one, the handsome one up there <laughs> today. Um, and he had... Um, the heart situation that they had to shock him back to life twice. And I, I remember standing in the um, emergency room with him, and we were actually both really calm at the time. At the time. But when you're confronted with the possibility of losing your partner 
there's this um, reckoning that happens where it's like, ah, like there, okay, so I'm recognizing that Chris is mortal. And I could lose essentially like half of my heart. And that I wonder if Jesus will be enough. Um, and it was so interesting because I remember they, they kicked me out of the room when they had to um, resuscitate him. So I was sitting in the um, waiting room of the ER by myself. It was like really early in the morning and um, I had very few snacks in my purse. You guys, I had one granola bar. It was really hard. Um, and I sort of just, you know, you do that thing where you sort of take a breath and you lean into the reality of what's happening around you. And I did start to cry. Okay, I cried. I'll confess it. Um, and it, in that moment, I just, I don't know how to explain it. I felt Jesus sit down beside me in the emergency room and put his arm around my shoulder. And he, I felt him turn to me and just go, I am enough. And, and just this peace filled my spirit. And it was like, no matter what happens, you give and you take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You're enough. You're enough. As it so happens, Chris was good. And that was pretty awesome. But I want to read a scripture verse to you that met me in that time. Uh, Lamentations 3, 21 through 25. This is the NLT version. I know I keep bouncing around versions. Aw, she's so gracious. That's just, yeah. Oh. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him to those who search for him. And there was something that happened, you know, like when you're facing the, the mortality of your person, there's a sense that, oh, like, he's part of my inheritance. Chris is part of my inheritance. And, and his inheritance is being passed down into our children and our children's children. In Jesus' name, our children's children, I declare that. Um, but there's also this sense of, oh man, like, I, I want to experience the goodness of Chris's inheritance with him here on this earth. And, and God just kept saying to me, I am your inheritance. The fullness of that is in you. It's available to you. It's in your spirit. It's in your body. It's in your emotions. It's all around you. It's, it's in the atmosphere. I am your inheritance. And there was something about that that just felt so true and sure. It was like a foundation that I could just 
put my feet on and walk out those, those few weeks where we weren't sure how Chris was going to be. He's great, by the way. Yeah. In many ways, he's great. Except he doesn't put his clothes in the laundry basket. Speak to the man, please. I'm just kidding. So, so again, he gives and he takes away, but for whatever reason this year, learning about Jesus is my reward. Again, I say it. He was taking away in order that I could see the fullness of him despite the fact that I was not gaining a lot of the rewards that I thought this was going to look like. And that includes my own health issues. So um, uh, near sort of the end of this year, um, I encountered, I had a terrible virus that just kicked my butt. And we don't really know what it was, but it just, it did something to my immune system and it did something to my nervous system. And, excuse me, um, I ended up um, becoming actually kind of unstable. Like, um, it was almost like, because I'd already been feeling burnt out since June, even though Jesus was restoring me, that virus really nailed me. And what responded the most was my nervous system. And I became really anxious. Um, So I'm going to just be super vulnerable with you and say, uh, there are times when I believe that medication is really appropriate for mental health issues. And um, I approve. (laughs) We'll just put that way. And so I had a long talk with my doctor about maybe it would be a good idea in this season where I'm in burnout and I'm vulnerable and experiencing high levels of anxiety to the point where I wasn't sleeping at night and um, I was really discouraged. Uh, I discussed with my doctor the possibility of um, going on a medication. And so we agreed what that medication should be. And can I just give you a very quick disclaimer, because I really don't want to scare people. Um, I have a super sensitive system, and I have allergies to medications already. So I started the medication, and I had a violent reaction to it. It It was essentially an allergic reaction that made me um, essentially deathly ill. And so uh, for about 16 hours, I was, um, well, what's the word I would use? It it was a little bit touch and go. There, there There was issues with my heart, and I was having a violent reaction. Um... And I have to say, that wasn't quite what I was looking for when I took the medication. (laughs) It was sort of like this, yeah, that's not what I had voted for. Um, So I had come from being highly anxious to now being violently ill. And um, I, in that 16 hours of, of having this powerful reaction, I ended up on my bathroom floor um, having rapid 
heart rate and um, sweating profusely and unable to breathe properly. And at that point, I kind of realized something was very wrong and that I needed intervention from Christ. And as I was laying on the bathroom floor, I heard God speak to me. And you know how sometimes we hear God speak um, almost like your conscience or you have an impression in your spirit, but God spoke to me in the bathroom. I, I heard him. And he said, we're going to find a way to heal this and heal your anxiety, but it's not this way. And I knew that I was going to live, and I knew that we were going to find a way out of this. Um, but in that moment, all I had was Jesus, and he was my only reward. You know, like it was sort of like I'm on the... I'm on sort of, I'm sitting on this precipice of feeling like I'm losing my life. Um, yet, it was so appealing that all that was left was Jesus. And I don't know if that makes sense, but it was like, oh my gosh, he really is enough. Even if I lose my life, Jesus is enough. He is my portion. Uh, and, and so I did heal from that, obviously. I'm still the same weirdo. Can I just tell you, this is the funniest part of it all. As I was laying on the bathroom floor, I tried to come up with a joke <laughs> to sort of like parody my situation, and I couldn't come up with anything. And I said, God, God, no. Uh, if my sense of humor has been taken away, I can't live. And I don't know why I said that, but in the moment I was like, if I don't have my sense of humor, I just, I can't live. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing of all the things. Like literally, I probably should have been calling an ambulance, but instead I was like lamenting over the fact that I couldn't find my sense of humor. I was like, no, God, no, anything but that. Take Chris. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, help us, Jesus. Help me. Okay. So I, <laughs> so I want to read you Psalm 73, 26. And this is New Living Translation again. To live is Christ and to die is gain. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart and he is mine forever. And I know that this psalm was written a long time ago, but I feel like that was written from me. Like, I'm like, my health failed, my spirit grew weak, but God remained the strength of my heart, and he's mine forever. Um, heaven became so appealing to me in that time. It was like, oh, I cannot wait to go to heaven and to just be, like, in the presence of Jesus um, not that I'm planning on like doing anything to speed up that process, but I just, oh man, 
I just have been hungering for Jesus since that experience in a way that I can't, it's almost like it's unsatisfiable, you know, and, and everything else has grown very dim. Do you remember that song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth Will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and grace. Whew. Shabba. So if you think that that's where it ended, it didn't. Because um, it was good times had by all this year, 2022. How much time do I have? Forever and ever? Oh, too bad. Uh, so part of uh, the, the structure of the center upstairs is that we are a nonprofit, we're a registered nonprofit. And how that works is that um, we try to provide low cost or free services to those that would otherwise not be able to um, uh, pay for the services of our practitioners. And a lot of what we do is mental health work. And so how we do that is we have people donate to the center, we apply for grants, we do fundraising, and we ourselves as practitioners put a percentage of our, what we earn back into the center. And so closer to the end of the year, uh, we started seeing that our sponsorship program had become very, very low. And for whatever reason, I think because of the state I was in, it super stressed me out. Um, you know, like we have all these people that are on sponsorship that are getting care and we have many that are in a wait list to be on our sponsorship program so they can have care and it's a really intense time in the mental health world. Like there's a lot of needs, profound needs and, and what the service that we provide is one of the only ones in, in this area that is um, subsidized. So I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I was just like jacked up on worry. It was like I have these practitioners that I'm taking care of and all these clients that I'm taking care of, and I feel this burden to care for the community, and all of a sudden it was like I was taking on the responsibility now of where do we find the money for this sponsorship program? And, you know... After everything that I'd been through, I don't know why I was feeling so worried, but I was. And something happened around the time that I was, you know, lamenting over the loss of my humor on the bathroom floor. It, it was like that stopped mattering. Now, what, what I mean by that is I didn't stop caring, and I didn't stop feeling for the people that I care for, but all of a sudden, I was offloading the responsibility for me to generate that. And Jesus again came to me, and he said this, if 
the sponsorship program dies and you lose every client that you're taking care of. And none of your practitioners have work anymore. And you have to close the center down and there's no care for the community. And everything that you've invested for the past three and a half years dies. Am I still your reward? And I said, yeah. Yeah, you are. If, if I lose everything, you are my reward and my satisfaction. And that was so profound for me that I had come to that place after, at the beginning of the year, being like, ooh, there's, you know, like, there's no reward outside of Jesus. Ooh, that's scary. Like, what does that mean, you know, to like, yeah. Yeah, like, naked, destitute, poor, robbed of everything, blind, etc. I am rich in Jesus. He is my reward. I am satisfied in him. He nourishes me. He's in me. And I want to read to you the scripture that just nailed this down for me. And and we're going to start with Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I have no idea what version this is. NIV UK. Is that like the New International Version from the UK? Is it? Oh, cool. Okay. So, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's good. Psalm 32.8, New Living Translation. I'll give you a minute to find it. Sorry, I'm like firing through these. Psalm 32.8. We're good? Okay. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. One more. Lamentations 3.24. This is that NIV UK again. Oh, Jesus. I, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. So these were the three scriptures that, like, it was like Jesus was like, boom, 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 nailing them into my heart and my spirit. And, and it was this idea of, I take care of the people, Jen. You don't. And I take care of you. I am your portion. I am your reward. I am their reward. Stop stressing. If I am your reward, all will be well. And and that is revolutionary when that lands in your spirit. It is revolutionary when it lands in your spirit. Because there is no striving. Okay, so I want to explain to you a little concept. And, and then we're actually going to translate it into the spirit for a minute. 
So in psych terms, we talk about co-regulation. So to give an example, um, we teach parents who have a child who has behavioral issues that rather than trying to control your child's behavior, notice where you, as a parent, are what we call dysregulated, stressed, anxious, like I'm stressed about my kid being stressed. And so I respond towards my child with stress. And he gets stressed because he's picking up on my stress. So that's sort of a simple way of describing. Now what we tell people is, if you stop as a parent and you notice where you are dysregulated or emotionally distraught or... um, not in control of self, stop and choose first to care for yourself. Breathe. Notice what you're feeling. Center yourself. Find your peace. As you do that, what will happen is you'll model to the child what it means for them to manage their emotions. And so we call this co-regulation because what happens is you're you're helping the child regulate themselves by you regulating yourself. Well, during worship, a number of months ago here in in this space, the Lord downloaded this picture of him co-regulating us as a people. And he said to me, I want to co-regulate with you. I'm the dad. Uh, Now, one of the things that we'll tell people is that sometimes it helps to co-regulate your child by getting really close to them. So, like, I'll use Chris as an example. If, If your child is feeling distressed and he's acting out, put your hand on his chest and invite him to put his hand on your chest and just say, breathe with me. Follow my chest. And sometimes, if they're still dysregulated, you get even closer, and you put your forehead to their forehead. And you just say, just feel mom's peace. Breathe with me. And I remember God saying, you'll need to come close if we're going to co-regulate. You're going to need to come head to head, face to face, heart to heart. You're going to need to feel the rhythms of my grace. You're going to need to feel how we breathe in heaven. And that's going to be your reward. And I feel like this word, Jesus as my reward, is for you today. And he wants to start by co-regulating with you. So for me, I give examples of how my pain showed up this year. I gave examples of how I wasn't doing it well. I wasn't doing the Christian thing very well. I wasn't on top and rising. But Jesus was my reward. He got really close, really close. 
on the bathroom floor, forehead to forehead, breath to breath, heart to heart. And he was enough. And I know that many of you in this room have had a hard ear. And you haven't quite known how to breathe. You haven't quite known how to move. You haven't quite known how to believe. You haven't known how to get on top and how to rise. Let's start with Jesus as our reward. Let's start with him as our co-regulator. Because he will model everything that we need. And if you're still not getting it, get closer. You know, if he's this far away and you can't see his chest moving enough to know how to breathe, get closer. Just get closer. And just say, Jesus, you're my reward. You're my reward. You're my breath. You're my song. You're my everything. You're what I need. You're my satisfaction. You're my portion. You're my healer. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. I'm feeling that. God, I just humble myself before you. I put my face to the earth. And I recognize that I am dust. I'm dust. And I can hear the sound of your breath in this room. So good. And sometimes we don't know how to breathe, God. And, And we... We want you to be our reward. And so I ask God that you give each and every person in the room the grace to be able to say that. The revelation of what that is. And God, I ask that you give people the the holy anointing to be able to just come forehead to forehead with you for a minute here. Heart to heart. I ask for healing in this room. I ask for healing in this room. I ask for healing in this room. I just I just see you coming forehead to forehead and your perfume is dripping all over the people. Your perfume is leaving its fragrance on the people. that we'd be able to, by your grace, settle into the satisfaction of you as our reward. That we'd be able to say it when finances don't look good, when we're on the proverbial bathroom floor, when we know we're adrenalized and performing, when we don't have the answers, when we're on the mountaintop. <laughs> when we're rejoicing, when things are going well, that we be able to say you are our reward. 
I'm going to go back to one of the, uh, the old ladies of the faith. Catherine of Siena. She died in 1386. And this is the prayer, one of her most beautiful prayers that she wrote. You, O eternal Trinity, are a deep sea into which the more I enter, the more I find. The more I find, the more I seek. O eternal Godhead, what more could you give me than yourself? You are the fire that ever burns without being consumed. You consume in your heat all the soul's self-love. You are the fire which takes away cold. With your light, you illuminate me so that I may know all your truth. Oh, Lord, let this prayer be made manifest in our lives, I pray. Mm-hmm. just really feels like a sacred moment. Just sort of like God has moved close to us in this moment. Um, and earlier, Jenna had said that she felt like um, God wanted to minister to us. But I, I feel like... Um, it might not look like people coming up to the front necessarily and being prayed for, but I think he just wants to minister to us now in this space. And so I'm just going to yield to that and bless the Lord to do that in your hearts and in your minds and in your spirits. You know, in a minute, we're just going to have Miranda pray or play on the piano, and we're just going to sit in his presence. And I feel like the challenge for all of us this year is just get closer to him than you are today. You know, we saw something in the media a few days ago last week about a football player. I'm not sure who saw that football player who got uh, hit in the chest dropped down and had a cardiac arrest on the field. I watched that and I saw something happen. I watched a nation. I watched people in a football stadium. I saw football players and I saw sports telecasters all of a sudden take some risks that they don't normally take where one telecaster actually said, you guys, are you okay if we just stop? And I pray right now on live TV. We saw people in a football field congregating and just starting to pray. We saw football players starting to pray. We saw a nation who knows the solution when times get hard. Regardless of where they were at in that moment, they instantly went to the one place where there is healing and deliverance and freedom. They instantly decided, let's get closer to him right now in a football stadium on air 
because he is the answer. Today we got to hear a lot of beautiful testimonies and that gives us faith for each of our own journeys. It also gives me faith for our nation. Gives me faith for this city in front of us. But I know the solution for us, the solution for this city, is right now we just shut everything off and we take a minute and say, God, this year I'm going to choose to get closer to you. So let's just be quiet for a couple minutes. Whatever you need to do in your heart to make that commitment to him, let's make it now. Father, right now, our hearts cry that we just want more of you. We just want to get a little closer today and a little more closer tomorrow and a little more the next day and the next day and the next day. Father, this year we choose to try to push aside all those things that get in the way and we choose you. God, we choose to lay our head on your chest. We choose just to listen to you, speak to us, sing over us. We choose just to be silent with you. God, we choose to shut down all the other noise that's around us and listen to that voice that matters the most. You are our reward. Nothing else will do.